0: Jesus' detractors asked him in Matthew chapter 23, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And the second one is like unto that, love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. That word love is a special word, Uh, agape. It was not a word that was common to the Greek language. They did not even know about it until God introduced it to them. They knew about eros, sexual love. They knew about phileo, brotherly love. They knew about storge, familiar family love. They had no idea. About agape love, agape love. You know, in in English we use that uh, term quite loosely. You know, we have the same word for a lot of different things. You know, I love pecan pie. You know, I love my dog. You know, let me. I love my television. Can't say I love my wife after that, okay? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that won't work. <laughs> but, you know, you see, we have this one word, and we're called to understand it in a different context in which we're using it, but not so in the Greek language. They had a specific word for all of those things. The, the word that we have in the Greek language for eros, sexual love, according to the word of God, that is eros. No one outside of marriage should experience eros, love. It is a selfish kind of love. But we also have this word phileo. Uh, It is a biblical word. When Jesus was talking to Peter, do you love me? He kept saying, yes, I phileo you, because he did not know anything about agape. The best he knew was phileo, I love you, you know, you're dear to me. But oftentimes, phileo is also quite selfish in that uh, phileo calls attention to if I like you, I love you, okay? It is a liking kind of love. And so is the store gay love with acquaintances and family and stuff like that. I love my family as long as they do what I tell them to do. Otherwise, that that love kind of... uh, Fades away. Um, I prepared a message from Colossians, but I'm going to speak on love. Uh, stand with me in turning your Bible to Matthew, chapter <clears throat> twenty-three. I've quoted this, but we should read it together. Verse 34. When the crowds, well, verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? He said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like to it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the law and uh, the prophets. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that the Spirit of God might speak through me and guide me in my thoughts as I speak extemporaneously about this wonderful word, love, and how it is that love covers all of the law and the prophets in Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. So we have this word agape, not known to the Greek culture until God introduced it. If I were to ask you to give me a definition of love, what would you say? Then my next question would would be, can you make that definition work with your enemy? Because it's the same word that he says, love God, love your neighbor. It's the same word that he used to love your enemy. Okay? Love your spouse. Love your children is the same word. Uh, and we have to be able to apply it across the board. So do you have a good definition that works that way? Oftentimes what we do is we bring secular definitions into biblical text, and it gets us into trouble because we can't make it work. And when we think about love, we think about at least having some type of favorable affection towards the other person is find it hard to make that work with my enemy. Sometimes I find it hard to work with my neighbor who keeps me up late at night, see? But but we have to have this word love that God says has to be used across the board. Well, I want to give you a definition that I learned from Dr. Joseph Hupster, who was my New Testament Greek professor in seminary, and he said that love is to Choose. Agape love is a choosing type of love. It means to choose the highest possible good for the other person. To choose the highest possible good for the other person. Well, the highest possible good for anyone is for them to be like Christ. The highest level of good that you could reach and that I can reach is for me to be. Christ-like or to be like God. There's no higher than that. Therefore, if I am to love you, I am to conduct myself in such a way that it always points you to Christ. That was a slogan back in the 80s that we used in Christianity. said, what would Jesus do? Well, this is quite appropriate here. The question is, when I interact with you, what would Jesus do? I'm always to do that which points you to to Christ. Well, he says we to love God. What's the highest expression of love that we can have toward God? Well, the Scripture tells us very clearly the highest expression of love toward God. He says, if you love me, you will do what? Keep my commandments. The highest expression of love that man can have toward God is that he chooses to walk in obedience. We talk about love languages. What is God's love language? obedience. God wants us to obey. If we want to love God, then we walk in obedience. And that covers everything. Some people say, well, the highest is worship. Well, that's obedience because God calls you to worship. You see? The highest possible good for you and I when it comes to God is that we walk in obedience. But back to loving one another. This is a choosing type of love. It is driven by choice. God does not command our emotions, but he does command our choices. You can always choose to do the right thing. He's given the spirit of God that lives in us, and he calls us to make the choice, to choose the right thing, to love my neighbor. And that takes care of a whole lot of bad behavior. That's why it says love, if you do this, you you don't need the law. And you don't need the prophets because I'm always going to be doing that which is right. If I love you, take the Ten Commandments. I won't lie to you because that's not what? Christlike. If I love you, I won't steal from you because that is not what? Christlike. If I love you, I won't steal your wife because that is not Christlike. If I love you, I won't lust after you because that is not what? Christ like. Everything I do points the other person to Christ. Takes care of a lot of bad behavior. Takes care of our marriages too, you see. Because there are times in our marriages where the warm fuzzies go away. Right? The warm fuzzies are there until he comes home with the smelly socks and he passes gas and then mm, warm fuzzies go. <laughs> okay, what happened here? All right, or until she gets a hold of the credit card and didn't tell you, Uh uh-oh, what happened to the warm fuzzies? And so I do a lot of counseling, and people come to me, and they say, and these are believers, okay? Uh, I want a divorce. I say, why? I don't love them anymore. Well, what do you mean you don't love them? God commands you to love them. Are you saying you're going to disobey God? What they mean is that I don't have the warm fuzzy feelings anymore. But see, God has never commanded us to be in love. You see? He commands us to love. The right feelings always follow the right actions, but not vice versa. So if you want the right feelings of love, then you do the right things and you love. So it's a marriage saver. I love her. You know, therefore, I do what's right. We speak the truth in love. Love tells the truth. Love is accountable. Love doesn't mean that you just roll over and let people take advantage of you. It holds others accountable. It speaks the truth in love. It says to my son or it says to my daughter who are getting into some bad behavior, that is wrong. I love you, but you need to stop that. It is not I love you, this my son and you no. Know, I tell him the truth, not go in the other room and cry. Okay? Because love says I tell you the truth. You know. When I have family members that are involved, and I do, in in alternative lifestyles, I don't want to tell them, but the Word of God says that it's wrong. So love says that I tell you the truth that is wrong. God says don't do that. That's the loving thing to do, not to support you. I speak the truth in love. So you say, well, that sounds pretty cold and... and uh, You know, doesn't seem to have much emotions. Well, agape love is driven by choice, but it is not void of emotion. Okay? Emotions are good, but when your emotions bump up against the truth of the Word of God, you have to choose truth over emotions. You follow what I'm saying? Emotion says to my wife when she wants to buy a new car, honey, let's go out and get you that Mercedes. Although I don't have a job that can cover that. I don't have the funds to do that. But emotion says, I love you, honey. Let's go get the car. And then what happens? I got to get a second job. I'm not home to love her anymore because I'm working all day long. Then there are extra stresses. The kids don't have clothes. And nobody wants to go without food. And now I got stress in my marriage, right? But my feelings said by the car. Love should have said no, honey. You see? Love says no. We can't do that because it's going to hurt us and it's going to harm us. But when love of choice and love and emotions come together, it's a beautiful thing. We find that uh, with Mary and Martha when Lazarus has died, and they send for Jesus, and, and uh, Jesus delays his coming, and the disciples say, well, aren't you going to go take care of Lazarus? Yeah, I'm going to take care of him, but he's asleep. Okay, they say, well, good, he's asleep. Jesus said, no, he's dead. Well, I thought you loved him. You let him die. And Mary and Martha said, well, Jesus, I thought you loved Lazarus. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Why did you let him die? The highest possible good is to walk in obedience. God had a higher, he had a higher priority for Mary, for Martha, for the weeping crowd, for Lazarus. He had a higher purpose, and the higher purpose was to declare that Jesus Christ is God. They needed to know that. And if Jesus had healed Lazarus, he would have been walking in the disobedience. He would have sinned and died before we have no salvation. So he lets him die. And we find Jesus standing at the tomb. And we have the shortest verse in the Bible. We see this great emotion. Jesus what? Wept. And the people said, oh, how he, what? Loved him. You see the emotion there? But the emotions of the love did not allow Jesus to walk into obedience. Disobedience, okay? He chose what was right and what was best. The best thing for Lazarus was that he would Die. And it hurt Jesus for them to have the pain of death. It hurt Mary and Martha to, to have the pain of death. It helped those people who they had paid, some of them to come and weep and well to experience that. But, let, but yet he, he let them experience. Why? He says, because if I let him die, you will see what? The glory of God. Higher purpose. Always. The glory of God. Higher purpose is always the glory of God. Do that which glorifies God. In this situation, the death of Lazarus glorified God because he stands there at that tomb. And everybody who don't believe, Lazarus has been dead for three days. They let him be dead for three days because in some cultures they felt that the spirit would come back within three days. So he needed to be dead, really dead. And so he was dead, really dead. And Jesus stands there and he screams out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus gets up out of the grave and what it says, they all did what? Believed. (laughs) Can you imagine Lazarus? Hey, man, look. There's only one person living right now that was dead. And here I am. Walking around. You know, I have been resurrected from the dead. And the glory of God is accomplished through this situation. So. Love driven by choice but not void of emotions. But when your emotions bump up against the truth of the word of God, then you must choose truth. God will take care of the rest, okay? He'll be glorified. Greater love hath no man. John fifteen thirteen. then he laid down his life for his friends. The definition of love, choose the highest possible good for the person. The highest possible good was for us to be like Christ. Only way for us to be like Christ was that God had to love us in such a way that he would make it possible for us to be like Christ. How did he do that? He loved us. Not that he liked us, okay? Love doesn't require you to like the other person. It just requires you to love them. He doesn't like sin, but he loves sinners, and the only way that we could be like Christ was Jesus Christ had to go to Calvary and die in your place and in my place. The cruelty of the, the crown of thorns on his head, the mocking, the beating, the shameless, hanging up on the cross naked, the God of God, the King of Kings, the piercing in the side, the one who could have called 10,000 angels, yet he stays there. And he dies. Greater love has no man. It would be okay, John, I mean, Romans chapter 5 says, for a good man the son would die, yet peradventure for, for some others would die. But this man, he had done nothing. He was sinless. One thing may be sinless for sinners, but for sinless for the sinners. And So Jesus goes to Calvary so that he could choose the highest possible good for us, he loved us, and he died for us, and he rose again, that while you might have eternal life, and those men and those women who have given their lives, and those who have served, they gave the ultimate price that we might have the freedom to stand here today and declare that Jesus is Lord,